feature presentation. Deanne, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, Eric. Pleasure is mine. Um, the first question I wanted to ask you, during 500 Days in the Wild, you mentioned how interconnecting with nature changes one's perspective, becoming less performative. Did this affect your approach to the film as a whole and just how you saw the narrative in terms of its structure or just even your connection to nature? Wow, big question. Um, well, for sure, when I, you know, there's a lot of change that happens, obviously, through the six years that I'm out there. And when I left, I I guess I was more like the rabbit, you know, I had a schedule and I had these goals. And, um, and 10 days into the trip, I realized, wow, you haven't gone as far in 10 days as you thought you could do in three. What are you going to do about this? And then I thought, I'm going to burn my schedule. And I'm going to stop measuring this journey that way quantitatively, like who cares, right? I'm out here as a filmmaker and it is about just slowing it down. So I tell everybody I dropped the rabbit suit and put on the turtle shell. And uh, it's just like that old fairy tale we grew up with, you know, on a journey of this magnitude, the turtle would be the only way to finish it. So you, you, sur I surrendered to the journey. And I would say the same thing about the film, you know, I mean, it's, you you know, the films are made through our, through who we are, right? They're like our view of the world. So the film that got created out of all of that footage, um, I think really shows how I changed over those years. I film and my background's as a photojournalist. So I'm used to narrative storytelling with visuals. And, and that was really, um, you know, that narrative really is verite. It's, it's very real. There's no, nothing really set up in this film. I mean, it's like a, so, and I also work very closely when I'm in post-production with my editors and I really have to give a lot of credit to Tanya Marignac, the editor I worked with. We worked intensely closely together crafting this film from all that footage. And you need someone there too, with that objectivity that really can help you see that arc of your own change i could see the other arcs in the film but i couldn't see that one as clearly as she could <laughs> yeah and and it's just amazing to watch the progression and and how you know you have your journey but also the journey of what the film is sort of mm -hmm. observing and looking at and you just mentioned editing and i find this fascinating because you spent you know six years making this film and a documentary i think doesn't get enough credit when it comes to how people put together a film because you know it never is what it, exactly you expect it to be at the end so i wanted yeah. to ask in terms of where do you start in the editing process are you thinking about editing as you're you know actually filming or is it something where you wait until you're done the production or you, you wait until you've gotten to your end goal um you know it's a little bit of both eric i journal so i write books on my journeys as well and i'm always writing and that writing process helps keep you 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 know you're checking in you're right and you're looking at the things you're filming but you're also looking at you know you can stop and reread your journal over the last month and, and start noticing things right so i think it's a combination really um but yeah absolutely in the edit process there were a couple of you know especially in the early days where tanya and i and assistant editor we just locked ourselves in a hotel room for four days with little sticky pieces of paper and we had like 800 scenes on the wall and you start to color those or color coded like this is for this arc this is for this arc 
And then you start weaving them like a braid. And uh, But it is a very collaborative process. And I think unlike fiction films, in documentary, that relationship between the editor and the, and the director is a very, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, sacred one. I mean, you're bearing all and um, you it really is something that you co-create. And I always say like when you're shooting the footage, you're gathering the clay, you know, and then you go in to sculpt it. And, you know, sometimes you think you're gonna come out with a horse and uh, it's finished and you have a unicorn. <laughs> but that is the beauty of and magic of documentary filmmaking. But uh, the editor is a very, I think the most uh, important creative decision I make. And I'll say we worked with five editors on this film, five amazing editors, JD in Quebec, Michael Brockington, you know, so many great people. Uh, but Tanya Marignac was my senior editor and the one that I did the story writing and she's the one that put it together in the end. So, but uh, we had 800 hours of footage. So we really had to come at it almost like a series. We had a year to edit. So we brought in five editors and we we tackled it like a series. Here's your hundred hours. Here's your hundred hours. Here's your hundred hours. And I saw every minute. I watched every single minute and uh, was giving my and worked collaboratively as these assemblies were being made back and forth. So extremely collaborative process. Um, and really, you know, the film is a result of of this teamwork. Absolutely. And and it's so cohesive as well. You, you don't think about like the division of it. Is is pacing important in, in terms of each section of the film? Because it does feel oh, yeah. like there are natural divides within within the movie. Absolutely. Pacing is everything, right? And as you know, it's a, the one thing that documentary and fiction film do share was, first of all, you have to have story arcs. But the other thing is you're constantly trying to turn scenes. What you're really trying to do is make people feel something. So you want to make them you, you laugh. People let down their guard and then whoo, now they're crying because you can come in and with something else because people have let down their walls. And so, yeah, we're very mindful of those uh um devices i guess for lack of a better word because it's emotional it's it's you want people to connect and uh you know i have to say you know i'm really excited that this film has a theatrical release in canada because it allows people to experience the film collectively in a room sitting together not to mention the fact that you know there's something to be said about like Joni Mitchell and Tragically Hip and like an amazing soundtrack. But I mean, like I see people leaving the theaters and hugging each other and crying and connecting and saying, I think that's really important, especially after COVID, we all became isolated. We almost all lost our social skills. Uh, so it's really nice to see people coming back together into these cinemas. You know, we gather for sports, but I think there's not everybody falls into that category. So cinema is like we gather for story. We gather for this experience. The lights go out. We're in the dark. We're laughing together. We're crying together. And uh, it's a real gift that we get to experience that, especially with this film, because although it's all about kind of starts out all about wanting to be alone, this is a film essentially about connection, connection to the land, connection to the water, connection to a broader sense of humanity, you know, uh, connection to self. So yeah, it's, it's, I think that's one of the strongest parts for me now is this, that it gets to be experienced collectively as well, you know, and through connection. Absolutely. And it's such a communal experience going to the theater and, and seeing a movie from different perspectives and points of view. Um, yeah. I was curious in terms of, again, just going back to, to yeah. the editing and the structure of the film, yeah. was there anything in the movie that you really wanted to have in there, but maybe you had to cut due to time or just in terms of the pacing? Um, yeah, 
I mean, there's a lot of scenes with a lot more people, uh, all of which I felt were really strong. Um, we hope this is a series, maybe. <laughs> uh, we have 800 hours and we're ready to go, that's for sure. Um, we got our plate full. We're releasing a feature film right now, so we'll stay focused on that. But um, I am hoping to be able to go back, like I said, with 800 hours. We, we definitely have an eight-part series here, and I'm hoping that we get to do that. And what the difference would be, well, you'll just see more people. Um, and more landscapes, but mostly the people. I mean, there's such, yeah, it's just um, such a diverse, eclectic, wild group of people that I met out there in the woods, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I have to ask, because I'm from the Durham region, do you remember yeah. any of your time going through Uxbridge and Scugog in that area at all? I don't, Eric, and I'm sorry. It's... Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember, was that a rail trail through that area? Because, you I, know, you know, this is a trail with 487 different trails stitched together. 24,000 yes. kilometer, 487 trails. So, um, you know, a mixture of single track and then thousands of kilometers of old rail lines, um, which lent themselves well to mountain bike riding in the summer and cross-country skiing in the winter. And I'm trying to remember if, if it was a rail line through that area. But... Um, no, I can't remember specifically right oh, now. Oh, I had to ask. I just had to oh, ask, no. but I, I, I appreciate, appreciate that. that. <laughs> um, quickly before we wrap, I noticed in the credits that Les Stroud's name uh, was yeah. there. Were there any survival tips that he uh, recommended to you? That's a great, thanks Eric for bringing that up. Yeah, Les Strauss, see here's a perfect example of someone I would like to bring back into the film. Uh, Les was really kind. I was going through, um, uh, up near Muskoka, which is where he lives, and uh, reached out because he's a trail ambassador for the Trans-Canada Trail, and uh, just let him know what I was up to, and what a great guy. I mean, just like made the time, went over to his house, sat outside, and yeah, we just talked about uh, tips for both on the water and on the land, you know, and of course, as soon as I leave him, I'm in a major thunderstorm, so his advice couldn't have come sooner, and basically in a thunderstorm, he's like, well, you just got to count off, you know, one, one thousand, two, one, try to figure out how close the storm is <laughs> so i'm like one one thousand boom i'm like oh i'm right in the storm uh but um yeah i just again you know you gotta love people that just uh come from that um place of kindness right you just making time for me like that was really cool and um just also really nice to connect on a shared passion for spending time out in the outdoors Absolutely. Deanne, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to uh, me. I really appreciate it and, and your yeah. film and showing a side of humanity that I think we all need to see nowadays. Thank you very much, Eric. I really appreciate that. And you. Uh, you know, we're posting all the screenings on the website, right? All the theatrical, the theatrical opens up March 1st across Canada. And if you want to know where they're at, you just go to www.500daysinthewild.com and they'll all be listed there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Really thank appreciate you, it. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, everybody.